Hello, and welcome to Control Escape, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the entire menu of top Africans in all areas of technology, with the aim of encouraging and motivating other Africans venturing into the growing landscape. Join me on this epic journey of discovery, adventure, and first-hand experience. Welcome to Control Escape. This is your host, Samuel Adrani. Thank you all for the feedback and comments. Please keep them coming. We want to grow the podcast and make it better, so please keep them coming. In today's episode of The Journey, I'm privileged to have with me, Charles Marty. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you for allowing us to, you know, to tap into your journey and to know, you know, how things have been with you. So let's get started. Who is who is Charles Marty? Charles is a is a Ghanaian. I have two siblings. I have a brother and a sister. I am the last of three kids. So that gives you an idea how I was treated. I was pumped a lot. <laughs> I never knew I would end up in Portland, Oregon, but here I am. You know, I live in um, I currently live in um, Clackamas in Oregon, the beautiful state of Oregon. I'm a software developer. You know, by a profession. I'm married to an amazing woman. Um, I have no kids, but I, I plan on having Soon. kids sometime. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's definitely in the in the works. I'm it's sure, in the pipeline. I'm sure we're going to come to you know the whole story of you know how you came into Portland and all that. Right. And, you know. So tell us, what was your first encounter with technology? Why technology? Originally, right, my passion, my interest was actually in civil engineering. I, I never dreamt I would ever become, a, I would be a software developer. When I was a kid, I loved bridges. I just had a big fascination for bridges. I went to school, um, studied, I did science, and I went to, I attended Accra Academy, okay, uh, so which was a boys' school. Okay, so, so you're yeah. secondary school. Yes, okay, secondary okay, school. Okay. So, um, yeah, which was a boys' school. So it was fun. My ambition, right, was to become a civil engineer and build bridges. That was all I wanted to do. So typically in... Um, in the school system that I, I attended, you, you sit home after school, you sit home for a year before going to college, before continuing on to the university. So using that time, lots of people work or you use that time to figure out what you really want to do when you go to college, right? So um, I used the time to do some research because I wasn't really sure. I was like, okay, I want my primary passion was in civil engineering, but I also wanted to see what was out there. Computer, computer science was then an emerging science, right? It wasn't full, as fully developed as it is now. So I didn't really know much about it. But I had a friend who was in a university, right, and was studying mathematical science. He did, he did computer science as part of his subjects. And I talked to him, right, about, okay, I was like, hey, I want to go to school. I want to go to college, but I'm not really sure what I want to do. So he told me about the program he was doing and basically things that I could do with it. And one of the things that he mentioned that caught my interest was the fact that game development actually comes from that field. So that caught my interest. I was like, oh, okay. If I can do this program and build video games, then maybe this is what I want to do. That basically sparked up the interest in me. And then I started, you know, researching, just got got online, read a little bit about computer science. I, didn't, I still didn't really know much, but then I ended up actually applying. So instead of applying for programming civil engineering, I applied for programming mathematical science, oh, okay. not computer science, science, because computer science wasn't offered in the university I went to. So which, I applied, which university was that? I went to the University of Ghana. Oh, okay. So I applied to, I did... Um, 
I applied to do a program in mathematical science. And um, so the mathematical science program had a number of subjects, uh, mathematics, physics, chemistry, or statistics, and computer science. So that was basically the path I went through. Eventually, at the end of the four-year program, I ended up majoring in mathematics and computer, computer science. science. So that's when I realized that, okay, I, I, I had that interest. You know, b basically going through the program, my my interest kept, kept peaking, right? Or I, it kept veering towards computer science. So I realized that, okay, this was something I could, you know, yeah, potentially build, yeah, a career out of. And, you know, I, I was more passionate about it. So that's wow. that's a long story of how I ended up in computer science. It is. I'm, I'm trying to piece it together. Mm -hmm. So you had dreams and right. aspirations yes. to be a civil engineer. Mm -hmm. All right, that's all you wanted to do. That's you all wanted I to, wanted you know, to do. Civil engineering. And then, somewhere along the line, you loved to play games. I did. So, if you love to play games, then that means that that is what actually caught your attention. It did, yes. Okay. Okay. That's, it did. that's interesting. So, though you wanted to do civil engineering, but you love to play video, video games, games, and you're like, well, if I can create my own video games, then definitely it's worth considering computer science. Absolutely. So, so it was about, you know, the friend that I talked to shaping, shaping my, I would say my interest, right? Mm. And aligning it with something that I could pursue, pursue. that would help me create my interest, right? Because I love computers. I love video games. However, I did not really know about how I could even end up creating something, yeah. you know, of yeah. the sort. So he was like, oh yeah, this is something, you know, if you go through this, this field, this is actually one of the career paths. Paths you can take. You know, I I'm not a game developer <laughs> now, but just an FYI. I, I was I was going to ask that because <laughs> that this is this is someone who because of the fact that he could develop his own games right. was veered from civil engineering to doing computer science, yeah. and now you are in computer science. So I'm tempted to ask. Have you finally created a game yet? <laughs> no, I have, I have not created it. I mean. I created some video games, not video games, okay. but I created some game applications, you know, okay. in college okay. just for, you know. Kind of yeah. like project work. Exactly, you know, project to work, but nothing close to a full-scale, you know, video game. But, yes, I'm not a video You're game a developer. Video game developer. No. Okay. I am a developer, but I'm not a video game developer. <laughs> so, giving, would you, would you want to go back to do civil engineering? No. You wouldn't? No. What's changing that? Because I have come to love what I do, mm. right? I've come to love technology and it is something I will not get away from. Mm. Interesting. Well, that's, these are some of the things we discover on Control Escape and we're getting into it. We're just probably in you know, the very first gears of, of the show. So in this quest to pursue technology, you know, what are some of the challenges you faced? I mean, knowing that you're coming from, you wanted to be a civil engineer and drifted into computer science what are some of the challenges you faced you know in school yourself in trying to get into technology you can share some of them with us i uh, earlier on i i indicated that i did not even know a lot about you know the field of computer science right or even technology right so i had to actually talk about talk to some friends to even get that and he happened to know because he was pursuing a, a program now that highlights one one of the challenges i was facing basically being that technology or computer science wasn't something that was even introduced mm. in the schools that all the schools that I went to, be it high school, be it middle school, 
and any school that I went to, right, okay. except in a university. So I did not even know. There wasn't even an introduction into it for me, right? So it was a completely green area for yeah. me. And my use of computers actually started probably when I was in high mm. school, probably second year. Okay. You know, that was when, you know, I got introduced, maybe first high school first year. Mm. You know, that was when I got introduced to, okay, you know, the internet and Google yeah. browse. But it was it was mostly just to have fun, chat, you know. Yeah. We were all fascinated by how you could get online and, and just, just talk to like people. Exactly. With computer and knowing, yeah. Exactly. But not not as a science, not as something that could be pursued in the form of a career, career. right? Okay. So that was some of the challenges I faced, right? So it was very green for me, for right? And um, it had to take me some time to even get me in a space where I, I understood what, what that whole area was about. was about. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So going through university, you graduated with, you know, um, computer science and some probably some other, you know, minor. What was your first technology gig? I mean, after mm -hmm. all that, after school, I mean, now I've done computer science. What was your first gig, your first job? What was it? All right. And how did so, you land it? All right. So um, in my uh, final year in university, I did a, um, a capstone project. And the project I, I worked on was uh, to build an e-learning tool, right, for kids to learn okay. how to, you know, to basically engage them and make learning a fun experience for them. So I work on the project with another student, right, who is also a developer now. And um, that project was really impressive, right, to the panel. They found it really interesting. So I was actually invited to be part of a team that worked, built an application for the university as my, in my, during my national service, service right? Okay. So I, so that's, that basically became my first foray into actually working with it. Right, not as a student, but actually working with it, you know, solving a real world problem oh. with it. And just to give you some context, the school had um, the the registration system was very manual, mm. so it was very paper based, and the school was actually transitioning from. And this was for a faculty, the faculty of science. Science, okay. And the school, the faculty was actually transitioning from a paper based or manual based system to something that was driven by technology. So. As part of my national service, we were tasked with, it, it was actually um, a project that was being worked on by a team, but they were moving out of it because the uh, one year, the national service, just to give you some context, listeners, the yeah. national service went around for a year. So they were getting done with the one year. Okay, and so they were, exactly. So there was a new team coming in and that team happened to be the team in which yeah. I wasn't. So um, the team was taxed with creating an application that could help facilitate that registration process, process. in a technology-driven way. So that was my, I would say, my first real-world working gig. Yeah. Okay. So for for those who don't know what the national service is, um, if you're coming from Ghana, I know Nigeria also has some part of West Africa also have common scheme. So the national service is when you're done with college, you are supposed to serve technically in quotes you're supposed to serve or provide you know services based on what you've learned in school to companies so companies are listed on the on on the national service where you can pick and choose that i want you know to be a teacher i want to probably help develop i want to probably be a military person so and you are required to do this for one year before you move into the actual job market so that's just to clarify or just to add some context to what the national services. So fast forward to today, you're at Benchmade. 
You're a senior developer at Benchmade. Yes. So what do you do as a senior developer at Benchmade? All right. And if so, you can tell us a bit about Benchmade and okay. you know and what you do as a senior developer. All right. So Benchmade is a manufacturing company um, based in Oregon, specifically in Oregon City. The company makes um, the the product the company makes is knives primarily, but knives. we do ma- knives. Yes. I mean, who would it, think that you know I, a company that manufactures knives would would need technology? Interesting. Well, let's let's hear from you. That's a great. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great uh, observation. Well, great question. Right. So um, yeah. Uh, but the and one cool thing about the company is the company makes such products right here in the USA. So hey, buy Benchmade. <laughs> yeah, free advertisement for the company. All right. So um, I guess I will start from where how I ended up being getting into the company. You know, and that would I believe answer the question you had. Right. So one of the main reasons why I ended up in the company, right, because I also had the same questions. I was like, oh, yeah. So manufacturing yeah. company and. Just to give you some context, in the past, my experience prior to joining Benchmade was that I was working in a fan, in a company that builds financial software, right? It was a pure techno, fi- technology company. Company. So you, you're talking about working with other development developers, you know, and my day-to-day was just churning out code all the time, you know, and talking tech. And um, eventually, I, trans- I was transitioning out of that company. So I was looking and, you know, um, I, I actually got con- uh, contacted by a recruiter. My first question to the recruiter was a manufacturing company. You know, I wasn't really sure. I was like, okay, what, what is, what will be so exciting about a manufacturing company for me to join? The recruiter had me, you know, um, he asked me to just take on the offer and go for an interview, which I did. And I was glad I did because... It helped me understand the depth of the technology stack they were using and the direction the company was going. And I and personally, that was actually one of the things that helped drive me towards going to the company because I realized that the company was growing so fast and they were at a place where they were technology was driving. They wanted technology to drive a lot of the things they, they did, right? So you're talking about all the cool things, all the cool technology stacks, Microsoft, and anything you can think of, you know, a manufacturing company, you know, they, they do the same things as well. And another thing is the company also has an e-commerce wing. So, okay. you know, they sell things. Um, sell, many of our knives are also sold online. Oh. So that's actually one of the areas where a lot of my work comes in, right? I do a lot of work in that e-commerce world mm. in terms of facilitating, you know, orders from the website mm. and basically integrating it with our ERP and our internal systems. Mm-hmm. So that's just to give you a gist on, you know, how I ended up in Benchmade and what I, I do. do over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I can relate to how, you mm-hmm. know, a knife manufacturing company, <laughs> would be, you know, a software developer. I mean, I was going to ask what drove you to it, but, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of giving that out mm-hmm. as well. So when you met with the recruiter, this, it's, it's actually one thing that I always want to ask people in technology, especially when it has to do with interviewing. What was that one advice you got that helped you, you know, in pursuing, trying to get into Benjamin? What was that advice that really helped you? Great. So one of the advice um, I got, which is still the perfect, one of the perfect advice I've ever received was that be confident in yourself because you have to understand that the company is looking for a resource. You get it. You are in demand, right? Mm. So you have to be confident in your abilities. Now express clearly, but briefly, what your capabilities don't you know go all over the place because it's what it, it it creates the impression that you're nervous and you do not know what you're not confident right yeah. you want to create you want to create an impression that you are confident, confident. so 
you have to clearly express what you want to say. However, also let them know if you do not know something. Mm. One of the things you do you don't want to do in an interview is to lie. Yeah. So companies have to be honest. Exactly. Recruiters and HR folks know that the ideal candidate won't know everything, right? Exactly. On the on the list of things, their requirements. Right. But one of the key things is they're looking for someone who has the desire to learn, who expresses that, who has a passion to learn, to learn. Right. So that's a lot of that's one of the cool things people are looking for. Yeah. So that's 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 the advice. That's basically the advice that I received and I and, and it helped me a lot. Yeah. That's that's good. You know, for those who are a bit curious about some of the cultural, you know, ch- challenges that we face especially if you're an African, you know, African has this whole thing of morals and, you know, the norm. There is, there is a lot when it comes to these areas. Mentioning, you know, your interview, when you don't know the thing, okay, be open to admitting to the fact that I don't know this because it's common here. I mean, I've started interviews where people openly tell you, you know, I've not done this before. I don't know this, uh, you know, but it'll be a good opportunity for me to look into it. But I can picture my colleagues or my brothers back home in Africa feel that not knowing means, not knowing something means you're not capable, which is wrong. You know, I've come to learn that it's wrong. And on that premise, can you tell us some of the cultural challenges you faced when you, when, when you came into the U.S. to work? Because it's, it's a huge cultural thing. Having to admit in an interview that, you know, I don't know something and it will be a good opportunity for me to kind of, like, you know, learn it. As opposed to back home when our people, you know, our colleagues will say that admitting to the fact that you don't know, I mean, means that you're not the right candidate. I mean, back home, it happens. I've witnessed that back home, as, you know, several times. So what are some of the cultural challenges you face? That's actually, that was a great point you made, right? And that's actually one of the cultural challenges in terms of openness. And I'm, I primarily, I moved into, you know, the U.S., right? Mm. And Portland specifically. And one of the things that... My background, based on my background, I wasn't used to was being forthright and open on how I felt about something. And that's one thing when you work in an American company, you will eventually get to know that American companies, right? The American work culture believes in you being open about mm-hmm. how you feel and saying what you want to say. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be in a nice way, but... Okay. You know, whereas I would say um, that was so that for me, that was a, one of the cultural challenges that I had to eventually, you know, adapt to to be to learn to be open to about my feelings, how I felt about something to say to stand up and say something in a mm-hmm. meeting. Right. And not feel that I wouldn't be my opinion doesn't matter, because one thing you will be told is that your opinion mm-hmm. matters. matters. Any opinion, There isn't a, any stupid idea for lack of a better word. Every opinion matters. But don't you don't you mm-hmm. think that it's it's not just an American thing? Don't you think it's evolved? It's now part of business processes to know that it's better for your employee to speak up and to voice out than to not speak up. Absolutely. I so that it's agree. not in context kind of like an American thing. Because we had that con- misconception that, you know, it's just an American thing. But now if you look at most of the, you know, technology resources across the globe, it's pretty much picking the same practices. You know, so don't you think it's it's kind of like an evolution into what the workplace has to be instead of being one, you know, specific countries or 
nationalities way of life absolutely i yes it, it it's exactly what you said it is it, it has actually evolved in terms of the work culture i think the global work culture has evolved mm. to the stage where it is all about openness and transparency and i think it helps foster a better working conditions right especially mm. because many workplaces have moved from individual contributors to team work right because teamwork is always better i mean if you think about it if you're working in a team you want to make sure one of the things that makes teamwork work well is the communication if the communication flows it helps make the work better so you want to make sure that no one is either not, not being listened to or not contributing everyone's voice matters so if there's something going on that you feel isn't right you voice it out so yes i completely agree with you that it's more of a global work culture shift than an american thing thing great awesome so would you tell us some what are some of your strengths and weaknesses and how do you you know deal with them so um so this is where i i i call it a uh, a humble brag (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right that's so. new to me the term humble brag humble brag okay <laughs> so um i would say so i'm going to i'm going to try to maybe humbly brag a little bit but i would say um i i believe i am a critical thinker and okay. um, one of the things that has helped me become a, a critical thinker is uh, i would attribute it to my um, study of mathematics okay. in, in school, in school. Okay. so even though there were a number of subjects that I've in in hindsight I, I was like oh I shouldn't I probably shouldn't have taken these courses because mm-hmm. they were so tough and I didn't want to do them thinking thinking about it now mathematics is something that I think has really helped me a lot because it's helped me develop that you know that analytical um, skill set and one of the one of the things one of my personal mantras which I which is a strength for me is that I believe in working smarter and not harder okay. so. It took me some time to get there, but I now believe in that a lot, right? So I apply it a lot in my development, in my work, in, in, even outside of technology. I try as much as possible to work smarter and not harder. And, um, and I've seen it work a lot for me. Another strength that I see in myself is that I see myself as an evolving person. I'm not stagnant and I'm not stuck on one thing. Right, I'm. I evolve. I do a constant assessment of my life. Okay, mm-hmm. so what worked right? What did not work right? Now, how do I change it to make myself better or to make what I'm working on better? It's mm-hmm. something that I do. That I evolve okay. as a person. So I believe that's a a strength, strength. of mine. Any weaknesses? I do have some weaknesses. I mean, as human as I am, human, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I do have some weaknesses. So uh, one of my weaknesses is that I can be hang on a problem, right, for mm. a long time. And I, I think if I if um if I can speak for a lot of my de- developer friends, you know, we tend to that's what how come you end up having developers who will just be hang up on the code and just will work through the night, mm. right? And I I do find myself in situations like that as well, not just in the realm of development, but mm. I think in, in my problem-solving approach, right, approach. I, I tend to be hang up on something and I will just want to fix it before I move on to the next thing. But, um, and that's one thing I'm personally working on. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put myself in a space where I understand that it's okay to have a problem and mm-hmm. to walk away from it briefly because a lot of people will tell you that usually once you do that, mm-hmm. the solution comes to you. So... 
it's something I'm constantly working on myself on, mm. not to be too hung up on mm. the problem. Um, I want to better manage my time because I realize that from time to time, I do have issues with better time management. Time management. So that's a weakness and I'm working on that. Yeah. I also want to be a better listener because I've mm-hmm. caught myself in situations where I'm not listening too much to the other party, party. right? And I want to be a better listener. So it's a work in progress for me. That's, I, I can relate to one of the things you said that uh, when you when you get stuck or hanged on something, you know, you you want to take a walk or you just want to take a pause. I have I have a unique and some ways weird one. Um, when I'm stuck, especially when I'm developing or doing something and I'm stuck, I take a trip to the washroom. And trust you me, it, it kind of like, it, it works magic. All I have to do is just take a trip to the washroom. And once I'm in there, in that solitude and kind of like thinking, it just, it just, it just, you the know, solution, it the, just comes to me. The problem just fixed. It just comes to me. That's I mean, that, that's just, that's just how I go by it. But it's good to know that yeah. sometimes you need to take a break and it's very important, you know, after a very long time, you know, just watching the screen, trying mm-hmm. to solve the problem, you might have missed a lot of things. You know? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting. So tell me in, in your life, whether in technology or as an individual, what is that one mistake that you committed? Okay. How did you resolve it? Okay. That is if at all, if at all you resolved it. Mm-hmm. And then what did you learn from it? It could be in technology. It could be in Anything. normal everyday okay. life. That one mistake. No one mistake. Okay. I'll probably, if you, if you, if you will permit me, I will talk about two that I made. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So one in technology and one outside of technology. Great. Now, um, in technology, um, one mistake right that i made uh, and this happened in one of the a company that i used i was working in in the past um so it had to do with uh code check-ins right mm. and you may you may have to explain mm. to your you mm. know yeah. our listeners right yeah. now i was the 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 version the i would say the source control version we're using was called subversion right mm. where we were and the process was you will if you were working on something you will lock it yep so nobody would Pick it up and work on it, right? And but however, you know, you could actually break someone's lock and work on the tool, on work on the code file they were working on. It wasn't advised, but you that option still existed. Now you should anytime you were going to check in your code, you were done with something and you were going to mm-hmm. check in your code into the repository. You had to make sure you pulled down whatever was in the repository mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. got you know got your copy updated before you pushed your copy in. Now, the problem I did was that I did not do that. Mm-hmm. I just ended up pushing my code through. Now, this submission version 2, the version we're using was very old. Mm. And we're working on, we're talking about very uh, classic ASP files. Oh. So, unlike newer source control files, I will tell you that there's a code dif- difference in the code, you know, and will prompt you right away. This did not do that. And it basically mm. overrode the code, the code up there. Now, the problem was that in... Modern versions of source control, you can probably just, you can easily revert back. Yeah. But somehow we were having challenges reverting back. So it took a long time for us to do that. So my number, so that was it. That's your number problem. one. So what you literally did is you technically made changes, overrode changes that probably you should have, you know, considered before adding your changes to, you literally just overrode that and missed all that work the person, the previous person had worked on. Absolutely. Wow. And the problem, and and another problem was that because 
I did not have the code in my code, there were problems. There were I had actually introduced bugs in the, oh. you know, you're talking about a production system, right? Because oh we were not even and I but I actually bypassed, you know, the the whole um, oh development. Yes. So this was a major problem, <laughs> right? It took us a long time to address it, but we yeah, so that n the number one rule and this mm. is coming from a <laughs> based on experience is that <laughs> never break someone's lock. Always pull down what is in the repository, refresh your part before you push it in. And always do it in the development instance or UAT instance before, before you make production. a change. Yeah. Wow, nice one. And then the second piece of it, right? And this is the live part. The live mm. mistake was we're working on a project. Mm. And um, so this was more, I would I wouldn't attribute I wouldn't say it was it was an individual um, mistake, but it was more of a team mistake, mm. right? Where we did not, uh, the project did not go through good governance. So this was mm -hmm. a major project we're working on. However, it wasn't, it didn't have, you know, the right, like it didn't have to have a project manager on it. Oh, okay. It wasn't, um, we did not talk about resource planning, timing. It didn't have well-defined requirements or scope. Yeah. So, and the requirements kept changing, changing over and over and over in the course of the project. So, it, I mean, it, it caused a lot of problems, right? You, you're talking about, you know, uh, tension, you know, I mean, the request that's on your neck, trying yeah. to get, get asking for feedback. Features okay, hey, when are we going to get our, our solution? And it's mm -hmm. like nobody really knows where it is. So I, I think this, and this applies to life in general, right? Before you do anything, you, you want to make sure that you have it scoped out, right? You have your requirements and then you work towards your requirements. You have the scope defined, and if it's a huge project where you're working on with multiple people, at least you have one person who is a dedicated project manager just to make sure that everyone's work is being tracked, and you know you're working towards that common goal. Interesting. So you heard it from him. It's from experience. Make sure for those of you that are still using SVN or whatever subversion you're using. It's time to migrate to a new one. <laughs> so tell us, what what is your approach to learning new stuff? I mean, you mentioned that you are a person, you always try to, you know, better yourself and all that. So I take it that you're on the verge of learning new stuff all the time. So what's your approach, you know, to learning new things? How do you do it? Okay. So I'm, I, I, so I call myself a... Uh, a lazy developer and <laughs> a lazy developer not in the sense that it's not a I, for me I have actually tried to make good out of it lazy in the sense that because I because it, again it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier right that work smart not work harder so I try not to do too much if there is a way to do something smarter so which means that it always keeps me looking for newer ways to do things right and that is actually one of my primary motivations for to learn. So, but one thing that I do is that I try to try, I, I tie whatever I'm going to study to something that I can actually implement or a real world problem that I'm trying to solve. So, and as an example, right, um, I, in, we were, I was working on a project. Right, where we were primarily using, we talking about um, building, and this is I'm going to dive a little bit into technology, yeah. where we're building um, lots of integrations, right, between various systems. Now, many of these integrations were being done using, um, say, REST APIs, right, 
and you're talking about i mean it was taking a, a long time to build in the type of you know uh, the code we're using right and we realized that okay in terms of time you know we were spending a lot of time building these apis so why not come up with something that will be easier and faster to churn out so this actually helped uh, me learn about something Mm. Call them Node.js, yeah. you know, which basically was going to help me churn out the code faster. Me and my team churn out the code faster, and mm. that's something we adopted, yeah. you know. So this is just an example to illustrate that it's about something that will help me in achieving an objective, right? So once I once I have that objective in mind, it helps me learn something mm. to, you know, yeah. That's interesting. So aside technology, aside, you know, all this, you know, what do you do to the stress? Hobbies, activities, what do you do? I do. Okay. So fortunately for me, um, I'm married to a woman who has an extensive knowledge and uh, music library, right? So I'm yet to come across someone with mm. that much knowledge and knowledge about music or music library she has a lot of songs so music is one thing that i live by all the wow. time right now another thing so yes music just it's just a natural thing for me that anytime i want to distress you know i listen to music especially afro afro beats and afro pop <laughs> yeah you know i i yeah i listen to that all mm. the time i also play indoor soccer um, oh, okay. So just keep myself active. active. So um, I play with um, I I'm in a team. Oh, okay. And we play every every Thursday. So okay. it's one thing that I do um, on a regular. I would say every week, which helps me distress. You know, gets me a, a little bit away from technology. And um, another thing I do um, to distress is just to completely turn off. You know, you turn off my computer, not touch code, not do anything technology wise, and just spend time where friends and family especially my wife nice and that that usually helps you know sometimes just just hanging out getting out of the house you know spending time just chatting you know talking about catching mm. up it, mm. it helps a lot yeah mm. de-stress mm. so the human part of it you know it's not all about technology <laughs> yeah that's true that's true well in, in we we know where you've come from we've got to the point in the journey where we want to we want to reflect a bit you know about you know the the motherland so, do you have plans to go back to Africa? I do, actually. I do. And, um, I mean, of course, going back to Africa, you know, takes some planning, you know, because, um, and especially and for folks who have lived in Africa mm. before, you know that you don't just pack up yeah, and go, I mean, right? You, definitely. Great. It takes some planning to mm -hmm. go, you know. But, so, yes, that's still in the works. But, yes, I do plan on going back sometime. And, and, and it's because in one of my motivations or one of the drivers is because it's evolving a lot and you know contrary to say um a place like say america right or the uk or any of the western you know developed countries you can i'm mean, africa because of some of the challenges we've historically had yeah you know the company the, the countries in africa are on a they they fast track in their development so mm. It's a place where, say, you get out of the place for six months or a year, you come back. Things have changed. Things have changed yeah. rapidly. Yeah. Whereas in America, you can live, say, you can leave Portland for 10 years, come back, and everything is pretty much the same because there isn't really a lot to change. I mean, change. a few things have changed, but, but Africa is not. Not so, as drastic as, you know, exactly. a developing country. Exactly. And there are lots of opportunities out there. Mm. There are lots and lots of opportunities out there, you know, because, again, these are emerging markets. So some of the... Everyday things we take for granted out here, mm. 
uh, sometimes not even there. So these are all opportunities, right? That if depending on your interest, be it if you want to go set up businesses or go help drive the development, you know, you still have a place there. So yes, this it's definitely a place I want to go. So, what what would be your advice, you know, to someone venturing into technology? What would, what would be that ultimate advice you give that person? So that's a great question. Fortunately, it's gotten easier, right? A lot easier, right? Unlike say when you know we were getting into technology, technology right back yeah. in the days when we yeah. didn't really have any baseline to even know what was out there, right? Now a lot of folks are able to at least. You know, there's so many resources out there to even ask a lot of questions and figure out what you're going into, right? However, um, one of my one of the things I will advise, however, is that technology evolving is evolving so much. So when you go into technology, you have to one of the things you have to keep in mind is that you have to always be in a space where you want to learn, mm. because unlike other fields where, and I I, I wouldn't want to mention some fields because I don't know, but Unlike some other fields um, where you can say you have a degree in that mm-hmm. area, that is okay, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much mm-hmm. it. You will be working in that space all long time. You don't need to refresh. You don't need to learn anything new. Technology is not like that. I mean, you, you're you talking about every two years, whatever you <laughs> knew is in the past. You know, you're talking about it's, it's jumping that quick. So yep. you want to learn. So that's my number one advice. You need to have the passion for it. You don't go into technology or as a career if you are not passionate about it. Mm. Passion should drive mm. your interest in technology. And because once you're passionate about it, you will naturally find yourself curious and your curiosity is going to drive you to learn all the time. So that's it folks, you have to, you need the passion. And it doesn't matter what you set your mind or you decided to do before. You could be coming from civil engineering, you could be coming from mechanical engineering, but if you have the passion and the determination, you can make it in the world of technology. So tell us, um, what are some of your favorite tools or resources that you know you could recommend to someone you know, trying to follow your footsteps? All right, yeah. So um, just for some context, I primarily work in the field of um, integrations, right? That's okay. mostly what I do, backend, de- backend development and mm-hmm integration so many of the tools i will be mentioning will be skewed towards that area okay. not because these are preferable or better it's just because that's mostly in that's the line of my work, work so you right? can have a bias for it exactly okay. exactly but um i personally love a message brokers okay. i think they do an amazing job when you're mm-hmm. dealing with you know distributor systems and mm-hmm. some of the message brokers i've worked with which are phenomenal um mm-hmm. kafka you know okay. apache kafka and rabbit mq mm-hmm. um, i'm currently working on a project that where we use in RabbitMQ, it's it's amazing. One of the co- one of the tools um, I use is um, SalesJS actually. So I know I know this is for the Node.js developers out there. I know a lot of you, a lot of Node.js developers are going to be like, what? What are you t- why are you talking about sales? Yeah, because um you you guys love Express, but I just love the MVC feature of sales. So sales that's it for me. I love sales. Um, Ninject. Mm-hmm. Really good tool for your dependency je- injection. You know, if you don't want to do all the work building your IOC containers and doing all that, mm-hmm. yeah, you want to look at inject. I I personally use and I love it. I use Visual Studio, you know, as an ID. If that cl- comes, if that oh yeah, it, it I comes. Classify it as a, as a tool. Yeah, it comes. Visual Studio, it SQL comes. Server, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, MongoDB, Redis, you know, if you your for your no no SQL, that's mm-hmm. um, I, th- these are the two that I have experience in, but. I don't know, NoSQL databases may be 
phenomenal. Yeah. But I'm just mentioning these two because that's what I'm familiar with. Um, NetBeans, I, I primarily started as a Java developer. So mm. before I transitioned to .NET. So Java is always my first my first love. And I was programming in um, NetBeans before Visual Studio. So, so I knew NetBeans before. Do you still do Java stuff? <laughs> I haven't touched Java in a while. But it's just some of, <laughs> one of the things I'm just going to recommend. I actually helped um, a friend uh, work on a project recently, but it was a it was his personal project, project and okay. I helped him. Um, okay. I, I would say probably about two months ago. Okay. Um, on and he was he was actually using Eclipse, mm, and I recommended yeah. that. Oh, okay, you know what? I was I, I guess I was biased, right? Because I you were using NetBeans, so you thought, okay. exactly. So I was like, oh, you know, I recommended he use Net NetBeans okay. and to do some Java work. Mm. But um, so I, I I would say that's about what I have used recently when mm. it comes to Java, but. No, I, I don't do Java differently. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in terms of, you know, um, some of the tools that help um, mm -hmm. in terms of, um, say, project management, I, Jira, I love yeah. Jira. Jira is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think everywhere I've worked at, Jira has been the tool used. that we've used. Um, I've used um, Confluent. You know, it's yeah. also an Atlassian yeah, um, yeah. product. Basecamp, you know, it's really good. Um, Git, you know, source control, Git, I'm biased towards Git. <laughs> Wow, I love Git, and um, yeah, and for some of the automation stuff, um, Jenkins for um, continuous integration and you know your continuous delivery, and Ansible, you know for your automation stuff as so, well. So, so. Wow. no, that's that's an array of you know tools that you know you can look into if yeah. you're you know you're planning to get into technology. So, are you currently doing any you know projects, not necessarily related to work, you know, but. Okay. Any fun project you're working on that you want to share with us? Okay, fun project. Okay, so um, I'm actually working in it with with a team, right? So uh, outside of work, right? Okay. I'm actually working with a team, um, and uh, if you permit me to say, it I actually mean, includes sure, the I mean, sure. it, it oh, actually includes the, the host of the program, right? Go for it. So, <laughs> so we're working on a project where we actually build in an app for mm. um, to basically. It's a, it's a it's a financial app okay. to help um, with uh, how do you, how do I even say this to 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 uh, to help with um, it's more or less like social finance social finance yeah. yes that was yeah. that's actually the, the right term right yeah. so we're working on a project like that very cool app mm. you know the technology stack is really really cool very interesting mm. and um, some have actually so <laughs> FYI some actually happens to be the lead developer the, the technical architect on the project so yeah I'm, but I'm, the focus is on you today, so you have to spill that information for us. I'm I'm writing some out, but um, yeah. So that's I would say that's yeah. the that's the um, the major project, project outside work. of work right. that I've I've been involved in. It's a fun it's a fun yeah. project. I've learned a lot in it, and um, but work work wise, it's mostly in the e-commerce world. You know, we're doing some okay. some um, new projects in the e-commerce world. Yeah. Great. Interesting. Well, folks, he, he let the cat out of the bag. So be on the lookout for the Intuwa app. Yep. We're going to, you know, pretty soon, sometime, uh, they say you're going to hear about it. So in closing, so there's this thing we do on Control Escape where we want to find your opinion on certain debatable questions and issues. So today, for your question on this matter of opinion is, do you think African companies and governments appreciate technology? What's your take on that? Quickly. So, I think they do, but probably, I would say, okay, so I'll take it, I'll answer the question with it in a different approach. I would say, yes, they appreciate technology, but they don't have a full understanding of how technology can drive their processes. So, 
with that lack of understanding it creates the impression that they do not appreciate technology but they do appreciate it and 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 this has been this has been apparent in some of the this is actually based on experience right i think i personally think that one of the ways by which we can maybe you know the whole dev and the technology community we can help um change that right and before i even get into that i think one of the reasons right is also because of cost because technology i mean can be expensive right yeah. so that tends to push people away from um, even having an interest in it, you know, even though they know the technology can fix your problem, mm. you know, so they still stuck up in their old ways, you know, and doing things manually when things can be done more efficiently, right? And again, it comes down to the lack of understanding, right? That, oh, you know, it's not, you, there are tools out there, you know, we, we, we happen to, fortunately for us, major companies like Google and Amazon and they've come up with so many cool tools. There are lots of third party folks who, that have built so many cool cool tools that are free open source that can be used to drive technology and create efficient processes. Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the things we in the dev community can do is where whichever space we find ourselves in, we should also be a vehicle of um, change. Change yeah. and also spreading the message that hey, technology is amazing. But it's not always that expensive. There are no. cool tools to do what you want it to do. Just <laughs> give it a try. Don't no. be scared. It will help you. <laughs> so, yes. You know, the, the, long, the, the, the short story is, yes, I believe they appreciate it. They just don't have a deep understanding of it, right? Or how it can help them. And that's why they tend to... It, it comes off as though they don't appreciate it. Well, you heard Mr. Charles Marty sharing his opinion on you know, on that particular subject. Well, on that note, thank you for listening to episode two of the Journey series. And we have been talking to Charles Marty. He's a senior developer at Benchmade. If you like the show and want to know more, submit a feedback or want to be on the show, check out, you know, check out the website. Uh, it's podcast.sadrani.me. Podcast.sadrani.me. You can also send me an email at hello at sadrani.me. And remember, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Until next Friday, this has been Controller's Game. Thank you very much, Mr. Marty, and we appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. <laughs>